Okay, good morning. Today is Wednesday, November 16, 2022. This is a regular meeting of the Building Inspection Commission. I would like to remind everyone to please mute yourself if you're not speaking. The first item on the agenda is roll call. President Vito. Here. Vice President Tam. Here. Commissioner Alexander Toot. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Newman. Here. And Commissioner Summer. Here. Um, we have a quorum, and next is our land acknowledgement. The Building Inspection Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Okay, thank you. Um, next, for members of the public who are listening in, the public comment call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2481-187-3260. To raise your hand for public comment on a specific agenda item, press star three when prompted by the meeting moderator. Okay, next we have uh, item two, findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code section 54953E. The commission will discuss and possibly adopt a resolution setting forth findings required under Assembly Bill 361 that would allow the BIC to hold meetings or for commissioners to attend meetings when necessary remotely according to the modified Brown Act teleconferencing set forth in AB 361. Is there a motion to continue to meet remotely as needed? Motion. Second. Are all commissioners in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you, that motion carries. And next we have item three, president's opening remarks. I want to say good morning to my fellow commissioners, um, Department of Building Inspection, and the attending public. Um, one of the things that I've reflected on recently is that I've been a president for the past year, and last meeting we went through a number of items that um, I started looking at from a tracking standpoint, and a number of those items uh, with respect to the fee study, the five-year strategic plan, and some of the other items that we continue to follow on this client services subcommittee are things I look forward to uh, continue um, tracking or looking uh, forward to the progress of. That being said, um, these items potentially could get moved uh, to the December BIC based on our um, timing and quorum. So I just wanted to apprise the public of that. I, th I believe it's item 10, 11, and 12 that could, could potentially be moved to next month. Hence Thank the importance of, 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 of continuing to keep those, uh, the, the big abreast of those. Thank you. Thank you, President Vito. And is there any public comment on this item? Okay, seeing none, we will move to item four, director's report. 4A, director's update. Good morning, President Beto and members of the, the commission. Uh, I'm Patrick O'Reardon, Director of uh, DBI. 
Uh, I want to start off with some excellent news. Uh, earlier this week, we published our new website uh, on SFGov, and we've gotten rave reviews for new pages for their simplicity and uh, ease of navigation. Uh, I haven't had a chance to encourage you to take a look and uh, let you know your thoughts, but please uh, uh, take a look if you can. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to our communications team for leading this effort, the many DBI staffers who served as subject matter experts to make sure that the new pages were accurate and up-to-date, uh, and our wonderful partners at Digital Services who made this transition a reality. Thank you all. And moving on, uh, I'm happy to share a recent success from our Small Business Ambassador Program. A couple of weeks ago, uh, a small business in the Richmond District contacted us for help to get their final inspections and sign off so they could open a restaurant uh, uh, in what is called the laundromat. That, that is the name of the business. They wanted to open by Thanksgiving and knew they were close to the finish line. We sent Inspector Trevor Byrne, a building inspector assigned to our Small Business Ambassador Program, and he worked with uh, Building Inspector Enrique Agamonde to help resolve the final items that needed to be submitted. We were able to sign off on the project just a few days later. The owner, uh, Jamie, Adam, Kevin, and Jenna were grateful for the help and expressed their appreciation for the assistance. I'm proud of the high level of customer service provided by our inspection team. Great work, team. Uh, and uh, for today's ad agenda, we'll touch on a number of topics, including changing the permits that were uh, given priority, uh, a briefing on our nascent strategic uh, planning process, and an update on our fee study that uh, we're just about to get underway. And I have one more item I'd like to to bring to your attention regarding tenant improvements before, we, uh, before I close out my, my remarks. Uh, if we can bring up the, the slide with the OTI, Sonia, maybe, or Monique. slide it's showing now it's not showing in the room but it's it's showing okay thank oh, there you. it is okay thank you so uh this is the trending of our oti permits since um before well before the pandemic since uh the first quarter of uh, fiscal 18 which is uh july 1 2017 to june 30th 2018 and as you can see there we hit a peak uh of about 800 OTI permits per, in, in the quarter of, um, fourth quarter of uh, FY 2018. And uh, as, as we all know, we plummeted during the depths of the pandemic, which was the fourth quarter of 2020. And then we, we kind of bounced back up again and we've been um, kind, of, kind of leveling off at uh, where you see the, the first quarter of 22-23. So essentially, we hit a high of about 800 OTI permits uh, prior to the pandemic, dropped down to about 100 in, in that quarter that was like the second quarter that we were um, uh, in the pandemic. And now we're at about 450 per month. So that's in relation to a high of 800 before the pandemic 
So the takeaway is that OTI permits, office tenant improvement permits are, are down substantially and that is attributable to many reasons as we all know. Um, so just, uh, I just wanted to give you that update and uh, that concludes my director's report. I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Sure. Um, do you think that that will, well, that's office tenant improvement. Sorry, that has the that that other permit process that we would, we were reviewing is I think completely different. Sorry, I think it's it's unrelated. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, uh, President Beto. Okay, thank you. Our next item is four B update on major projects. Okay, um, so this is an update on our major projects. It includes projects that are uh, valued, uh, have a work valuation of more than $5 million. Uh, it speaks to what permits were filed, what permits were issued, and what permits were completed. Um, and this is uh, through uh, the, for the month of, of October. So, uh, Moving on to this slide here, in October of 2022, four permit applications with an estimated construction valuation of $5 million uh, were filed with DBI. These projects are anticipated to add 102 uh, new housing units and are collectively valued at over $60 million. Um, they include an application for an office tenant improvement at 300 Tony Stone Crossing which is part of the Mission Rock development. Uh, there was also an application filed for 530 Turk Street, which is planned to have 100 units with 24 proposed as affordable. And so last month we, uh, we issued uh, three high value permits with a collective valuation of 29 million. One of these permits was for uh, a new University of San Francisco basketball facility at 2335 Golden Gate Avenue. Another was for a 24-unit condo development at 159 Fell. Um, and if we can move on to the, the last of the slides. Uh, so um, lastly, uh, DBI finaled four high-value projects. One of these was for the 96-unit Jazzy Collins Apartments, uh, which will offer permanent supportive housing for formerly homeless adults. Another was for the renovation uh, of all guest rooms at the Hyatt Hotel, uh, which is at 53rd Street. Together, completed projects have a construction valuation of about $58 million. That concludes my presentation on major projects. Do commissioners have any questions on this? I have one question. Do you guys track fee waivers for affordable housing? Uh, yeah, I believe we have the we we have the data. We probably uh, we, we we have it assembled somewhere. I can get back to you on that, commissioner. Thank you. Um, next, we have four C update on DBI's finances.
Good morning, Commissioners. I'm Alex Koskinen, Deputy Director of Administration, and I have a short presentation uh, update on DBI's fiscal year 23 finances. I'm looking forward to sharing a more comprehensive update. It's still early quarter one in quarter two, January, with results of budget planning, year-end projections, and fee study um, proposals. So, so far in fiscal year 23, we have received 15.6 against our $85.9 million revenue budget, and we have spent 24.3 against our 91.2 expenditure budget. This, the revenue is a decrease from the same period last year. However, last year appeared a bit front-loaded and we are still hoping to come in on budget at this point, although it's, it's still early. On the expenditure side, we are spending a bit more than prior year, but that is almost entirely due to salaries and benefits. The city approved five and a quarter percent COLAs in fiscal year 23 for almost all staff. So that has resulted in increased expenditures. And the number of permits is slightly down compared to last year, but again, last year appeared a bit front-loaded. The total valuation of, of um, all the projects this year is slightly higher than last year, and we are expecting, hoping for a bit of a surge toward in December before the code change in January. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Any questions, commissioners? Um, how much do we have left in the fund to capture the, because I believe that DBI has been operating in the negative. How much is left to uh, cover the increase in expenses? So right now we have a little bit over $100 million in cash, but only $21 million available for appropriation. We have already committed the difference um, to balance fiscal year 23 and fiscal year 24, so a significant amount of those reserves were committed to this year and next year to balance the budget. So the, the number to focus on would be about $21 million. So the 20 month, can you explain how you're using that? When you say appropriations, what does that mean? What are you using that money towards? So we have $100 million in cash, but we also have prior year continuing projects that we have appropriated and have not spent yet. So assuming that those prior year amounts are, and that we have carried forward the budget from prior years, assuming that we spend those amounts and any purchase orders or um, unspent funds, but that were committed in prior years that we've carried forward, plus the amount we, the city has a two-year budget, and so for fiscal years 23, 24, and 22, 23 approved last year, we committed to using our fund balance to balance expenditures. So we have the cash in our bank account now, but we have already committed about $79 million to uh, existing continuing projects that have not that just have not been spent yet and um, on future year uh, sources 
Is that something that could be part of your financial report so we understand? When does, at what point does the, like the bucket get tapped out so that to balance the budget? Because we were part of that discussion last year. Sure. <clears throat> I know it was, it was a concern last year for the commission, so, but at what point when you, when you hold these um, other cash funds in reserve for projects, you're holding that in abeyance, um, when, when, are we, when, are, when are we out of money? Well, current projections have us running out of um, available for uh, fund balance available for appropriation around fiscal year 25. We are working closely with controller's office, mayor's office to come up with solutions, I think. And, and that assumes that nothing changes from today. The fee study will be a large part of solving that problem. And we are hoping to generate significant revenue. And we are also looking at some expenditure reductions, mostly in work orders and, if possible, CBO grants, shifting, not, not canceling them, but shifting the funding source to other departments. Uh, all sorts of other things that we'll get into mostly in the, the fee study item. Um, there are items that the department, there's work that the department does that it may not be charging for, and there are certainly opportunities for extra revenue recovery that we will be looking into. But when I, the, the supporting material for the fee study was sent out, the, the fees appear to be decreasing. Is that is that what I? So again, we can that that will be part of the item number eleven, the fee study. I can talk about some of the history. There was a reduction in twenty fifteen, and since then, no changes to the fees have been made. So there's a lot that we're hoping to accomplish with the fee study, and part of which is is giving ourselves flexibility to adjust fees annually or more frequently than once every seven years, so that we can make sure that we are adequately recovering our expenditures. I guess my only request, do my other commissioners have questions? Sorry, Commissioner Summer. I was curious, so I know we did the budget discussions, I know you weren't here, we, we did the budget discussions early in the year and we approved the budget. Can you remind me or can someone remind me, do we do this annually or do we do it every two years, we the commission? So we do it every two, there's two years of budget, but we right. revisit it every okay. year. So okay. that's so second year. So we have these conversations again yes, in we, February. We do it each year is yeah, reviewed yeah. twice. Okay, thank you. Sure. And uh, when we do speak about the budget, probably in January's meeting, uh, I will present materials on the fund balance, uh, usage over time, how much we have left, projected usage, all of that information. Yeah, I guess my question is just from a tracking standpoint, when you're, when, when you're doing these monthly financial reports, I would presume that you're tracking the monthly performance of DBI against what you projected to balance the budget. Projections are difficult, especially in the beginning of the year. Expenditures, revenues are not always steady. They come in, they go up and down. It depends on when invoices come in. Sometimes they'll come in all at the end of the year. Sometimes they'll come in all at the beginning. So it's very difficult to project using straight line to determine where you're gonna be at. That's why we tend to focus our efforts six month and nine month a little bit later in the year when we can have some more confidence in where we'll end up on both expenditure and revenue side. But yes, we do, we do monitor to make sure that things aren't going crazy, either high or low on revenue expen or expenditure side. 
along those lines, do you compare year to year? Because I know, like you're saying, the ups and downs, and I know there's like there's seasonal things in terms of permits. There's end of year things in terms of permits. Do you track generally, like compare? Oh, and, and I saw some of the ones in your presentation, but oh, this is unusual based on the past many years where it's been this way, or, or is there is there that type of comparison? We do look, internally? but it's it's very hard to account for all factors that may have happened last year versus this year. Um, it's it's very hard to project the future based on what happened in a prior year. It can be informative for just a sanity check overall, but those projections early in the year are very difficult to make. Can I ask a, a question? This is a, a more global one. Um, how much of your expenses is expected to be covered by revenues? Is DBI is supposed to be a fully uh, self-reliant uh, yes, we are entirely uh, okay. supported by fees, no general fund support, no general so fund support. entirely okay. special revenue supported. I don't think I have any more questions except one request. I guess you have a, on your operating fund, you have a budget and actual both for revenue and expenditures. I guess I'd be curious because we only look at that, approve the budget, or review it once a year. It feels like what you're doing to tracking what you're doing on a monthly basis against how you balance the budget is something I'd be curious to see. Sure. Usually what happens a bit later in the year is there will be a projection column and then a projected balance column. Those aren't shown now because it's it's early. Those are very variable. If we were to show those columns, we would just probably project everything on budget. Um, That's okay. So we can we can certainly show those amounts and I believe they are in the the packet as well the details um, but in the presentation itself we can include that for the next meeting and going forward okay thank you are there any other further questions I'm sorry, um, oh Commissioner Alexander Toot, you can speak. Um, Commissioner Alexander Toot, did you have a question? Okay, she didn't. Um... I I did have a question. Thank you. Um, so I'm I'm. I guess I'm a little bit confused because I'm looking at the memo um, that seems that we, um, I'm looking at the memo on and from issued October 19th, 2022. And I'm seeing a little bit, it's, it doesn't um, look exactly like the the PowerPoints, I mean, is the, before I ask a question, is the October 19, 2022, is that the most accurate document in the, in the packet? She asked if Can I, you please repeat? It could, your, um, your audio is breaking up a little bit. Are you having trouble with my audio? Um, let me try calling. I'm going to try calling in. Uh -huh. Oh. 
I believe so. Are you yes. able to hear me? Is there anything, any any specific figure that you're noticing yeah. may be incorrect? Um, we can we can hear you. And uh, I, I, deputy uh, Deputy Director Koskinen said, oh. "What is there a specific I, number you're asking about?" Um, because it looks on the memo that the, you just said the return to fund balance has not is zero year to date. But that's the 2122 actual. So I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to see where the. Okay, so I, I see what you're saying. Okay, the zero, is, the zero budgeted so there. Have, this is last year, right? So do we have a memo? Sorry, do we have a memo detailing? The um, like a memo or just a PowerPoint detailing where we are today. Okay, and I, I think he has a response for you. Okay, go ahead. Sure, I believe the use of fund balance is the uh, twenty-seven point seven, um, twenty-seven point seven million dollars uh, is is the use of fund balance. The above fifty-seven, the. $58 million there is the actual charge for services and, and revenue that we're bringing in. And the other revenues are the use of fund balance and 300,000 that was an add back from the Board of Supervisors for a specific project. Okay, did you hear that response? Yes, uh, uh, let me, to, to understand our budget um, with, with this overview. So when we go into our budget meetings, I would definitely like to see um, the breakdown um, set in the, in the way it's presented in the memos, which I think is standard. But I would also like to see the breakdown of all the encumbered, um, uh, the encumbered revenue and all the non-personnel services. Um, I'm not seeing that. So I, I just want to make a note, when we go into our budget um, in 2023 discussions, um, I'd like to make sure that those are, those are all, all very detailed. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that concludes our comments. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Next, we have uh, 4D, update on proposed or recently enacted state or local legislation. Morning, President Vito and Commissioners. Christine Gisberg, Assistant Director. I'll give the update on legislation. Next slide, please. Uh, so the 2022 code adoption ordinances, uh, those were the six ordinances updating um, the code cycle, the, the, the code cycle update ordinances were approved by the Board of Supervisors um, on the second reading on November 1st and were signed by the mayor. I'm happy to say they were signed by the mayor on November 10th. So uh, those are done in time for uh, the new code um, going uh, being active on January 1st, 2023. Next slide. Uh, some other ordinances that we're tracking. Uh, the proposed ordinance to amend the first year permit license and business registration fees for certain businesses. That's the uh, small business fee waiver that uh, went into effect last year. 
Um, this new ordinance expands the number of businesses that are eligible for the fee waiver um, and makes those changes retroactive to last year when the original ordinance passed. Um, and that was approved by the Board of Supervisors last week um, and is expected to be signed by the mayor. Uh, Secondly, the proposed ordinance amending the planning and building codes to increase fines and penalties for violations. Um, that's the ordinance that you reviewed at the last meeting and recommended approval, and that's still pending further action at land use and transportation. We have a couple of hearings coming up. Uh, one is to review the economic impact um, and potential tax revenue loss of vacant office buildings. This hearing has been scheduled for budget and finance, but has not yet been, um, the date hasn't been set. Uh, secondly, Supervisor Marr has called a hearing on accessory dwelling units um, under local and state mandated programs and what applications are in the pipeline, uh, looking for a status report to see how those programs have done. Um, and that hearing has been uh, scheduled for December 5th and uh, the department will be presenting on um, ADU permitting processes and the data. And that concludes my presentation. Are there any questions? My fellow commissioners, do you have any questions? I don't have any questions. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, next we have item 4E, update on inspection services. Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, Joe Duffy, uh, Deputy Director of Inspection Services. Uh, I'm pleased to provide an, uh, uh, an update this morning on the activities and performance of our Inspection Services Division. I'll go to the next slide. Uh, in the month of October, Building Electrical and Plumbing Divisions conducted nearly 11,000 inspections. 90% of those inspections were conducted within two business days of the date requested by the customer, and that was meeting our target of 90%. Next slide. In the same month, Housing Inspection Services conducted 876 inspections, with 107 of them being uh, routine inspections of multifamily housing. Next slide. Building Electrical and Plumbing Divisions received 638 complaints and responded to 99% of them within three business days, and that was well exceeding their target of 85%. Additionally, our code enforcement sent 63 cases to a, a hearing. Our housing inspection services received nearly 43 safety and heat complaints and responded to 77% of them within one business day. They also received 305 other complaints and responded to over 92% of them within three business days. Housing inspection services also abated 328 cases with a notice of violation and sent 33 cases to a director's hearing. That concludes my report and I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Commissioners have any questions or comments? Okay, I have a question. Oh. I'm still stuck on the budget. Um, I think that, not, not on inspection, on oh, budget, sorry. sorry. your question, President? Well, I think that I'm not an accountant, so I apologize if my questions are stupid, but um, 
the the numbers that you sh that were shared in October in uh, in October for your October report, the actuals are so much lower than they were for the September. Can you explain that? I will take a look back at the previous report. I would imagine it was a timing thing. Perhaps the old report was run with older data and this one is more up to date. Um, for example, these are, we're, we're right at the um, end of the month and or the beginning of the next month, so we have all of October in, in here, but I will take a look back at the prior report and I can follow up with an explanation. I mean, just for my own context, like when we we compare month to month and how that compares to other things, so we just have a broader under, a broader context to compare this to and understand how you how the numbers you know how 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 DBI arrives at these numbers because right now they're just I see that your budget is relatively the same or close to, but the actuals are so much lower for last October, and then there's this carry forward that sort of like in asterisks at the bottom that went from 3.4 to 5 million. So I, I think like for someone like myself who's not an accountant, if you could just show in context how, you, how these numbers are arrived at and also how that compares to how, you, how DBI balances the budget, you know, for the two-year bracket that they're... Sure. Uh, <laughs> regarding the carry forward at the bottom, these are open purchase orders from prior year that have not been completed for the most part, uh, or manual carry forwards if we have performing work for other departments that we have not yet uh, completed and billed, then we will carry forward that expenditure, those expenditure appropriations from the prior year into the current year to perform that work. And similar if we have a vendor who um, has performed service but they have not billed us, we will carry forward the budget for that so that when they do eventually send us the bill, we will have the budget to pay for it. So that's what the 5.1 million is. Uh, regarding the actuals, those are straight from our, our general, general ledger, our set of financial books, our financial system that the entire city uses. So those are the actual booked expenditures as of now. The vast majority of them are labor, salaries, and fringes, and those are those are posted every two weeks. So there could be timing issues there, but um, we all all of these expenditures are what has actually gone out the door or come in come in the door on the revenue side. Why did salaries fall so f from fifty million to seventeen? So the budget, the 53.9, is for the entire year, and the actual is just the year-to-date spending. I see. No, that's also in the actual from last month. It was 51.1. The budget from last last month was 51 million? The actual was 51.1. Um, I can take a look at that. I am not sure why that would be, possibly okay. controller adding adding budget, but I, I will look into that and find out why that changed. But again, these are these these figures are the most recent updated amounts that have, have come in to our financial system, both budget and actuals. 
So if your fiscal year starts in September, is that correct? Or August? July. July oh, July. 1st. Okay. But in July 1st, the overall budget may not have been finally approved. So the budget process, in the budget process, the mayor submits her budget, and then the Board of Supervisors can make any changes and cuts and adds. So that process is usually not completed by July 1st. So what will be loaded in our budget is what the mayor had proposed. And then when the final, when the supervisors finally approve the final budget, then any differences will be will be added. So it can change after after that. And then any mid-year transfers or if we we have the ability to move budget and from category to category or from other departments if other departments are, are funding work or we we give our continuing project funds to other budget to other departments to perform work for us. So there are there are changes. We could show um, the original budget and then the revised budget so you'd be aware of any any changes that have been made throughout the throughout the year to the budget. If I that think would that be helpful. Would be, I think that would be helpful. I mean again I, I think it's just looking at the numbers in context of other numbers that have been, you know, Sure. Either assumed or projected, and then what you're tracking that against. So, sure. We and I'm just asking questions. I'm not picking on you because I know you st just started your job, but I just w I want to understand how the how these numbers come about, Commissioner. Um, I was going to make a, a suggestion that maybe we could, um, as a commission, uh, go through you know how budgets work and sort of the a 101. Uh, of of budget. I think that would be helpful uh, in moving forward our work. Sure, um, I'd be happy to put together a presentation about how the budget process works, how finances work, the timing of everything, year-end close, uh, the sources of, of data that we use. It is quite voluminous, so I, I have ideas for changing this presentation. There wasn't time to change the format from the old one, but I will try to come up with something that is not completely overwhelming, but that shows the information that you're interested in. Yeah, we don't need an MBA in accounting. I just, um, we just want to understand the numbers in layman's, layman's terms. And then, but way I understand things, and you know, as a project manager, I have to track my budget, but I compare that against, you know, something else to see how my project is tracking. So I sort of am using it in, in, in the world that I, I understand, so other people may use it differently. So I just think that the commission needs context to understand how, when you're giving us a snapshot of something on a monthly basis, how does that compare to what has been projected? And that may mean for two years, and I understand that, but we wanna know how that compares over a two-year span if, you're tra if that's tracking. And it's also with the proviso that things are changing because this is all based on applications and permits that are coming in that are gonna modulate that or, or adjustments have to be made for that, so. But I do, I think that having something that gives us a little bit more background would be helpful. Sure, I'll, I'll work on that. Thank you. Thank you, is there any public comment on the director's report items A through E? Good morning, my name is Jerry Drantler. I want to commend the BIC and Deputy Director Costin for a very enlightening discussion on DBI's long-term financial challenges and the role prior year surpluses. 
I suggest DBI prepare a simple schedule that shows the current surplus balance and how it has been committed in future years and the ending balance that's available. Earlier in the year, DBI took about $27 million of prior year reserves and booked it as current revenue. It's incorrect to record the use of prior year reserves as current year revenue because it's confusing. Non-current items like taking prior year reserves should be a non-operating item. This perhaps is one reason why the current financial statements are confusing. Issuing a financial report that compares the current year actual with the prior year actual could be useful. This would give the reader a good sense of how the current year is tracking against last year. Measuring the current year against both budget and last year would be helpful. I'm a retired CFO and I'm trying to help. Thank you. Thank you. Up next we have item five is general public comment. The BIC will take public comment on matters within the commission's jurisdiction that are not part of this agenda. Thank you, commissioners, Director O'Riordan. My name is James Heron. I'm an architect and 40-year resident of this great city. I hope to draw your attention to a serious flaw in the housing code, which seems written almost explicitly to reduce accessibility, potentially affecting hundreds of senior and disabled residents. The current building code requires new apartment buildings three stories or higher with a certain minimum floor area to have a compliant elevator consistent with the ADA. The housing code, however, seems to suggest that only elevator buildings five stories or more are required to maintain those elevators. In other words, for four-story or lower elevator buildings built before the new code, if your elevator breaks down, maintenance is not required. This does not seem to mesh well with San Francisco's ubiquitous 40-foot height limit. My wife and I live in precisely such an elevator building, four stories, 12 two-bedroom units at 2960 Polk Street. I have mobility issues, and the building has always had a working elevator. Two years ago, the, owner began, the owners began a voluntary modernization project. Work started on schedule, but after several months, we were informed, quote, it would present an undue financial burden to return the elevator to working order, end quote. We filed a complaint with Housing Inspection Services. A director's order of abatement was issued, only to have the owner's lawyers successfully appeal the order of abatement invoking this pernicious 50-foot loophole. I can only wonder how many other four-story elevator buildings in San Francisco have already or will eventually meet this same fate, becoming an undue financial burden. This weighed against the real physical daily burdens of being stuck on the fourth floor without an elevator, forced to lift groceries, luggage, laundry up four stories one step at a time. We continue to explore ways to encourage the owners to do the right thing Meanwhile, we hope the commission will work to fix this easily corrected flaw in the housing code. As an architect, I've spent a fair amount of time looking at codes, and I can say that the codes governing elevators seem to me very spotty. Possibly they were structured at a time when elevators were a novel luxury, and the codes treated them as such, concerned more with safety than with access. Times have changed. Accessibility is no longer just a luxury and these codes need to be revived. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there any additional public comment? Yes. I have a slide. Um, put it on the overhead if you'd like. Yes. Can I see if it's, oh, it's upside down. Um, you can, I'm not, you can try it. Yeah. Maybe I just would suggest just speaking on what it is you're, you're showing. Oh, in, a, in addition, uh, Mr. Drattler did submit, uh, emailed his uh, public comment to the commission in, in advance of the meeting. Thank you. I'm ready. Good morning. My name is Jerry Drattler. I sent you two examples of expired building permits being finaled through administrative permits to demonstrate the abuse of the administrative permitting process by DVI. 418 Congo Street and 555 Fulton Street are the examples. The April 20, 2022 BIC meeting agenda item 10 was an update by Joe Duffy on the scope and implementation plan for DBI's internal quality control audit of Bernie Curran and Rodrigo Santos projects that will be led by senior building inspector Ed Donnelly. Mission Local ran a story on October 10, 2022 that reported Ed Donnelly had work done on his house by Rodrigo Santos, one of the subjects of the audit. The story mentions that Mr. Santos is listed as the engineer on four individual building permits, and Mr. Santos submitted two sets of engineering plans for the Donnelly remodel. The schedule on the screen shows eight building permits were issued to Mr. Donnelly's home. Ed Donnelly allowed six building permits for $179,000 to expire. Why would an experienced building inspector let six building permits expire? DBI issued two administrative permits for $1 each to final the work on the six expired building permits. Ed Donnelly finalized the expired 2006-2007 building permits 12 years after on a 2019 administrative permit uh, approved and inspected by senior building inspector Kevin McHugh. DBI should have required Ed Donnelly to renew the original building permits and final the original building permits. Why does DBI allow expired, expired building permits to be finaled through administrative permits? 55 Fulton Street is another example of DBI's misuse of administrative permits. An administrative permit should not have been issued to finalize the open $48 million building permit from 2013. Why did Senior Inspector McHugh approve an administrative permit to finalize the $48 million building permit? That's open. When the building permit was issued on March 26, 2014, and it's still open. 
55 Fulton has been highly visible for both reporting operational irregularities within DBI and the charging of Walter Wong and Muhammad Nuru. What is the lesson learned from the two examples? DBI should not use administrative permits to final building permits. Thank you. Thank you. I also just wanted to acknowledge that uh, the previous uh, speaker for public comment, Mr. Heron, the commission received an email with um, documents from him prior to the meeting as well. Is there any uh, remote public comment? Okay, seeing none, we are on to item six, um, nomination subcommittee, 6A, update from the nomination subcommittee. Commissioner Summers. Hello. Um, the nomination subcommittee, which currently consists of Commissioner Tam and myself, met last Tuesday, November 8th, um, and discussed the updates to our mostly, mostly updates to vacant positions on the different commissions and committees that we um, oversee, and, um, and also um, continuing vacant positions on these different bodies. Sonia, do you want to go to B? Okay. So Sorry. just go. Okay. So thank you. Um, yeah, as uh, as Commissioner Summer mentioned, the subcommittee re reviewed uh, the various uh, vacancies and appoint and decided on a few members for appointment. Uh, the members seeking appointment are Daniel Sullivan, building owner representative seat, Randy Collins, licensed structural engineer seat, David Kane, licensed structural engineer, specializes in seismic improvement seat, and the seat that remains vacant and um, have not received applications is the tenant licensed as an architect or engineer, and apologies for not having it on the agenda. There's also, I believe it's a licensed contractor, uh, license, another vacancy for a licensed contractor. So the uh, the subcommittee recommended to, um, to appoint uh, Mr. Daniel Sullivan, Randy Collins, and David Kane. Is there a motion for oh, um, I, to approve? May I? Um, sorry, I didn't mean to make you. Oh, sure, go read ahead. The whole thing. <laughs> I was just going to mention to to our commission here um, the the people who are seeking appointment. So so there were we did do an announcement that we ran for September and October for four open positions on the. This is the board of examiners. Um, we received some applications. So Daniel Sullivan, who is Daniel Sullivan here? Hi, welcome, thank you. Um, he has submitted an application for building owner representative seat. Um, he's a lifelong San Francisco resident um, and was a former firefighter for 26 years here in San Francisco. C correct, correct, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and apparently owns a building, excellent. Um, so he submitted for that position. Um, uh, and so I just want to acknowledge briefly the different people who are sitting here. Um, Randy Collins um, is sitting in the back, and he, um, thank you for coming here, Randy. Um, he is uh, currently sits on the board of examiners in the licensed structural engineer seat, specializing in seismic improvement. He would like to. He is requested to move to the open um, licensed structural engineer seat. So um, he is. Um, a small business owner here for, at a structural engineering firm um, is, has owned his business here for 20 years. Um, and the third person who applied for this uh, board of examiners is David Kane. David, are you here? Hi, David. Um, he 
uh, is also a licensed structural engineer, and he's then applied for the position for a licensed structural engineer specializing in seismic improvements. Um, he also owns or co-owns his own firm um, for the last 12 years here in San Francisco. Um, and yes, so those are the three people who are seeking appointment um, to the Board of Examiners. And is there any questions, discussion? I'd like to open this to any of the commissioners with any questions. <laughs> I'd like to thank the uh, candidates here for answering the call to service as well. Um, with that said, I'd like to move to appoint the candidates for the positions on the BOE. Okay, so we, we have a motion to, um, to appoint the ca uh, candidates mentioned. Is there a second? Second. So there's a motion and a second. Is there any public comment on this motion? Then seeing none, I'll do a roll call vote on the motion to approve the candidates. Uh, President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Did she say? She said yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Newman? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, the motion carries unanimously. Uh, congratulations, members. Thank you. Um, um, Apostle, you could, um, any of the members that are in attendance, could you come up to the podium, please? And we will uh, do the oath of office for uh, Mr. Sullivan, Mr. Collins, and Mr. Kane. Okay. And if you could raise your right hand. And repeat after me. Aye. And state your name. Aye. Aye. Sullivan. Do solemnly swear or affirm. Do solemnly swear or affirm. That I will support and defend the Constitution. I will support and defend the Constitution. Of the United States. Of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California. Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. Take this obligation freely without any mental reservation. Without any reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And I will and faithfully discharge the duties upon which I'm about to enter. The duties upon I'm about to enter. And during such time, during such time, as I hold the office, hold this office of a member of the Board of Examiners. Member of the Board of Examiners. And congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you guys had had any words, you can say something if you like, and you don't, or you don't have to. It's well, to you. I I really appreciate this opportunity to serve, and I'd like to thank everyone for giving me this opportunity. I look forward to working with the commission and my fellow board members. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I, I think the commission wants to personally thank Mr. Sullivan, Mr. Collins, and Mr. Kane for making the effort to come in person to get sworn in, and we want to thank you for your service. It's always uh, pleasant, you know, to see people in person, especially these last few months. Um, Commissioner Tim and Commissioner Summer. I think we all echo President Vito's uh, sentiments, oh. and, um, you know, just to 
put it out there, we still have some vacancies. So if you're out there, I encourage you to answer the call to service. Okay, thank you. Um, next, we have uh, item C, which is review and possible action to make recommendations to the Building Inspection Commission regarding appointments to the Code Advisory Committee. Um, term to expire August 10, 2025, and member seeking appointment, John Tostanowski, for mechanical engineer or contractor seat. And we also have one seat that remains vacant and uh, we have not received applications for a person qualified in the area of historical preservation, if there's anyone listening interested in that. Um, do committee members have any comment on this item? So similar to the last item, um, this is a, the code advisory committee. We, we sent out an announcement. It was the same on the same announcement as the Board of Examiners um, announcement um, that was seeking to fill two positions. Um, we have a submittal for an application for one of the positions. This is uh, by John Tostanowski, um, who is seeking to have the mechanical engineer contractor seat. John, are you in the audience? Hi, John. Um, and um, John now is a general contractor who owns his own firm for the past um, two years, and before that served for about 15 years in the trades um, doing mechanical contracting work. Is that all correct? Um, so we, we spoke with um, John, he joined us at our last meeting, um, and we would like to recommend his, um, his appointment to the Code Advisory Committee to serve in that role. Um, also, we have we, we did not receive applications yet for a person qualified in the area of historic preservation. So with this vacancy and the, the vacancies still on the previous item, the Board of Examiners will we'll likely um, re do a new announcement and reissue it um, to see if we can do some targeted um, outreach to f get some applicants for those positions. Um, but I think the item at hand is um, a, a recommendation to appoint Mr. Tostanowski. Is, is there a motion? Motion to reappoint. Seconded. Okay, so there is a motion and a second to appoint uh, Mr. Tostanowski for this uh, mechanical engineer contractor seat. Um, is there any public comment on this motion? Um, seeing none, I will um, then do a roll call vote. President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Alexander Toot? Yes. Commissioner Newman? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay. Um, that motion carries unanimously. Congratulations. And Mr. Tostanowski can come forward. <laughs> okay, we'll just uh, repeat the oath of office. I, and state your name. I, John Tostanowski. Do solemnly swear or affirm Do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. To the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. Or purpose of evasion. Or purpose of evasion. 
and that I will well and faithfully discharge. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. The duties upon which I'm about to enter. The duties of which I'm about to enter. And during such time. And during such time. As I hold the office. As I hold the office. Of a member of the Board of Examiners. As a member of the Board of Examiners. Code advisory. I'm sorry, Code, Code Advisory Code Committee. Code Advisory. Um, I didn't change that. Code Advisory Committee, uh, Mechanical Engineer, Contractor Seat. Code Advisory, Mechanical Engineer, Contractor Seat. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there is. <laughs> no. I have to remember to change them. Okay, so next we have one more. We have item D, uh, review and possible action to make recommendation to the Building Inspection Commission regarding reappointments to the Access Appeals Commission. Um, terms expire November 1st, 2026. And the members seeking reappointment are um, Kevin Birmingham and Arnie Lerner. Kevin Birmingham has a public member seat and Arnie Lerner is a person experienced in construction. And I believe they are attending uh, remotely. So um, if we can unmute them. Thank you. Um, so we, we um, issued an announcement earlier this month on November 4th for um, a seat that has just opened on this five-person commission. Um, there, there is an open seat now for a person experienced in construction. So that announcement is being circulated. Uh, applications, we are requesting them by December 2nd uh, for someone um, who wishes to sit on that commission. Um, the two members uh, that Sonia noted are seeking reappointment. So they currently sit on the commission. They have um, expressed interest in renewing their um, renewing their seat on the on the that group. Uh, so that, as you said, Sonia uh, is Kevin Birmingham and Arnie Lerner. And I know I know Arnie is called in. I'm not, is Kevin called in as well? Both of yes, them. Yes, yes they're, they're oh, both perfect. attending remotely. Great, great. So there. I think uh, our recommendation is to reappoint those two members. And. Motion to reappoint. Oh, great. Okay. Second. Okay, so there is a motion to reappoint both members, uh, Birmingham and Lerner, and a second. Um, is there any public comment on this motion? I'm um, seeing that. I'll do the roll call vote. And also, just uh, for the record, uh, Commissioner Alexander Toot has uh, left left the meeting now. Okay, uh, so President Beto. Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Newman? Yes. Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, the motion carries unanimously. So congratulations on the appointment. Okay, so um, Mr. Uh, Birmingham and Lerner, um, do you just repeat the oath of office after me? I, and state your name. I, I Kevin Birmingham. Do solemnly swear or affirm. And solemnly swear or affirm. Affirm. That I will support and defend. That I will defend. The Constitution of the United States. Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies. Against, against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. To the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. 
Cal State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. Or purpose of evasion. Or purpose of, of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. Faithfully discharge. The duties upon which I'm about to enter. The duties upon which I'm about to enter. And during such time. And during such time. As I hold the office. As, as I hold the office. Of a member of the Access Appeals Commission. As a member of the, the, Access, Appeals the Access Appeals Commission. Hey, congratulations and thank you. Mm. Thank you. Um, did either of you have any comments? No, I'm just I'm just happy and glad to be able to be a public service and to use my experience to uh, help the community. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. So um, next we will go on to item seven, um, discussion and possible action to appoint commissioners to serve on the nomination subcommittee. Um, we currently only have uh, two members. Uh, it would be great if we had three, and the because uh, that's how the committee is made up. So we're trying to see if um, any other commissioners would be interested in serving on this. I'd, I'd like to say a couple of words. I'd like to thank Commissioner Summer and Commissioner Tam for um, their participation in the nominations committee. It's it's a commission, a, a subcommittee that doesn't necessarily require a lot of time commitment, but any additional responsibility is always, you know, added responsibility when you have many other things that you're taking care of your, in your life. But uh, the work that, you, that you've done this past year, I mean, I applaud because I was on that subcommittee. It wasn't my first year and I wasn't necessarily sure what, you know, how much, how much time and effort it would require or how much you needed to uh, participate. But I've even seen on LinkedIn, um, Commissioner Summer, you know, promoting the vacant seats. So I, I think it's just great work what you, that what you've, what, the great work that you've done this past year. That being said, um, mm -hmm. I think that the, com the two commissioners who are on the subcommittee would encourage Commissioner <laughs> Newman to join. <laughs> so Commissioner Newman, are you up for it? Um, it, it it varies and it's and it's really only as needed um, they, they've had to meet more uh, frequently recently because of the term expiration dates but really the committee it's, it's not really a huge time commitment and it's probably mostly like twice twice a year two to four times a year and, and generally we <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Thank, thank you so we will have a <laughs> Yeah, that was in peer pressure. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to have a motion then to um, nominate um, Commissioner Newman as part of the nomination subcommittee. I would like to make the motion to nominate Commissioner Newman to the nomination subcommittee. Second. Okay, so there's a motion and a second. Any public comment on this motion? Um, seeing none, I'll do the roll call vote. Um, President Beto? Aye. Vice President Tim? Yes. Commissioner Newman? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, the motion carries unanimously. 
Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so next we have item eight, um, which is an update from the Code Advisory Committee. Uh, good morning, President Beto and commissioners. I'm Steve Harris, uh, chair of the Code Advisory Committee. And you have asked for an update as to what we've been doing the last couple of years, and so I'm just here to summarize that for you. Uh, do we have, yes, here's our, we can go to the, to the second slide. So the Code Advisory Committee is uh, defined and created in the building code, uh, and uh, the purpose of the committee is to advise the BIC on items relating to the building code. We have 17 positions, uh, and uh, one is currently still vacant, as, you, as you're well aware. Uh, a lot of our, the work that goes on in the Code Advisory Committee uh, occurs in the subcommittees. Uh, we, have, uh, we have several subcommittees, including uh, one that covers administrative uh, and general design and disability access, uh, one relating to housing, uh, one relating to green building issues, uh, one uh, combined subcommittee on MEP and fire, uh, which I hope that you will be joining, uh, and, uh, and one on uh, structural issues, of which I am also the chair. Uh, so the things that we do uh, involved, uh, hang on a second, involved this, this double-sided page thing is not very good. Uh, the things that we do in, include, uh, here we go. We do have monthly meetings. Uh, they don't occur on every month, but in general, uh, in 2020, we had five meetings. Uh, in 2021, there were seven. This year, 2022, we've had eight to date, uh, a little bit more than normal because of the, uh, of the change in the code. Uh, and that's, that's required uh, quite a bit of extra uh, effort on the part of the committee. Uh, the issues that we that we addressed and discussed include uh, looking at proposed ordinance, uh, various proposed ordinances, uh, updates to the code, which, as I said, you know, this year has been more significant because of the th uh, three-year uh, code cycle. Uh, we look at changes to and new uh, administrative bulletins and information sheets. Um, we hear updates from staff on various programs uh, and a few other things. So starting with the uh, starting with the proposed ordinances, uh, we did look at the all electric ordinance, which was a pretty pretty big deal for the city, uh, as well as a prohibition on removal of kitchens in group housing. Uh, then, uh, with regard to uh, administrative bulletins, and I'm sorry, code. These are all in the wrong order. That's the problem. Uh, code updates, Your, the presentation's in the right order, it's just the pages are in the wrong order, okay. Uh, uh, code updates, we looked at a lot of code updates this year, including uh, the existing building code uh, uh, section uh, 50643, which had been incorrectly uh, changed in the previous uh, code cycle. Uh, also, we looked at section 327 about lead-based paint. Uh, we, we looked at updates on the, the three-year cycle to all of the San Francisco codes, the building code, the existing building code, the housing code, the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing codes, and the green building code. Uh, we looked at uh, 
building code sections 106A32 and 106A413 about stamping requirements and electronic plan review. Uh, we, we looked at but did not, uh, but did not finish looking at uh, mechanical code uh, 308.2 about outside air conditioning units. Uh, as well as addressing at our last meeting uh, changes to uh, priority permit processing. Uh, we also looked at uh, at uh, administrative bulletins. Where are those? Yes, administrative bulletins, information sheets, uh, and uh, and other discussions. Um, we looked at ABO 93 implementation of the green building requirements uh, and. We spent quite a bit of time on AB uh, 111, which had to do with preparation of geotechnical and earthquake ground motion rep reports for foundation design of tall buildings. Uh, we did look at AB 112 for uh, mixed fuel new construction, uh, that which was a companion to the all-electric ordinance. Uh, we looked at information sheet PO5 uh, about uh, protecting utility lines traversing new foundations. Uh, that was something that was uh, as a result of some questions regarding the uh, the soft story program. And we looked at uh, EGO2, uh, emergency escape and rescue openings uh, that we worked quite closely with members of the fire department. And uh, program updates, we, uh, we did get several updates on the accessible building entrance program. We've been getting those by every other month or so, uh, as well as uh, recently on the concrete building safety program, which is something which is uh, chugging through the process uh, and we hope will result in some new requirements in the not too distant future. Uh, and uh, lastly, we did look at, at uh, a few other items, um, which I can, should be able to find these here. <laughs> Monthly meetings. Uh, I don't know what page they're on. Oh, other items discussed. Yes, yeah, so we looked at at an information sheet on gender-neutral restrooms uh, and also uh, changes in occupancy types and occupant loads that we uh, ended up putting aside. Uh, we've certainly talked about permitting processes and uh, also uh, refuse collection design guidelines. Uh, we had a discussion about the shared spaces program, actually a couple of discussions until we decided that it really was not part of our uh, not with the really within our auspices, even though a lot of our members had concerns about it. Uh, and uh, we also uh, discussed oversight issues with regard to the soft story program. And that's what we've been up to uh, the last couple of years. And so I, I will take any of your questions if you have any. Thank you for the presentation. Commissioners, did you have any questions? Um, Mr. Harris, I didn't realize you were out in the audience or I would have said hello personally, but it's nice to finally meet you in yes. person. Um, I was just telling Commissioner Summer that um, I've had this meeting on my calendar for the last few months and have been unable to attend them, much to my frustration because of other things that have come up. So um, it was great to hear uh, this update from you, just to see what you've been doing this past year. Commissioner Summer? Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I requested this item on the agenda after um, Tom Fessler, who's the secretary for this group, uh, had presented 
a list at one of the meetings, a, a sort of an Excel spreadsheet that had this running list of all the things that this group had talked about. And I thought it was a really great list. You guys have talked about a lot of things and done a lot of, had a lot of really um, helpful discussions. So I thought it would be helpful just to hear about it at this group. So thank you so much for coming to say that. Uh, to, to update on uh, us on all of that. Thank um, you I for also, attending our meetings. Oh, yes, um, I've enjoyed it in t attending them. Um, and I just want to say also thank you for your service. I know you, you chair this committee and the structural subcommittee. It's a, it's a sizable time commitment. Um, I also think you do a really great job hosting. I mean, being the leader of, the, of those groups, I think it, it's, it's really nice to see the way I feel like you're very inclusive in terms of your request for participation, allowing people time to sort of provide their opinions and really have meaningful discussions. Um, I think, you know, your, your, your demeanor is really um, helpful and your opinions are really insightful. And, you know, I, I feel like it's a really good group that gets some good discussion going and, and provides the Building Inspection Commission with therefore helpful um, recommendations and opinions. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your update oh, today. You're welcome and thank you for all the compliments. <laughs> I, I have one more question or request. Yeah. One of the items that you had on your list was DBI permitting process. I wasn't at a meeting where that was discussed, but um, if that is something that's going to be on the agenda in the future, um, I would be very interested in attending that meeting and making sure that I, w I could attend that meeting. Is that something in your future agenda that you continue? I mean, a lot of these items that you have mm -hmm that you have listed are things that you, um, until they come to some resolution, continue to track. And I would presume like the permitting process is one that you continually have to sort of discuss based on these new codes that you're, you know, evaluating or deliberating about. Yeah, normally, I, I, most, of the, most of the items that end up on our agenda and in front of our committee are, uh, are handed to us. Um, we, we don't have a whole lot of things that bubble up through the, through the committee ourselves. And so when we discuss permanent processes, that's because either the BIC has directed it or, or staff has directed that, that they needed some, some guidance. Uh, and so certainly it's quite, quite possible and likely that we will be discussing processes in the future. Um, and uh, we'll make sure that, uh, that you're well aware that that's, on the, that that's on the agenda so that you can attend those meetings. Yeah, and I'm happy to broach it at the next meeting I, I, that I attend to as well. So thank you very much. Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. Uh, seeing none, we will go on to uh, next item will be item nine, uh, discussion and possible action regarding proposed changes to Administrative Bulletin AB004 priority permit processing guidelines. Good morning, President Bidu and members of the commission. My name is Janie Chan, uh, manager of technical services at the Department of Building Inspections. I'm here to present today uh, the proposed changes of administrative bulletin 004. Um, one of the administrative bulletins that have been discussed in the, um, in the Code Advisory Committee. Thank you, um, Steve, for heading all of those discussions. Um, so as you may know, Administrative Bulletin 004 is a priority permit processing guideline. And uh, it generally um, 
uh, prioritizes permitting for projects um, uh, other than the um, normal first come first serve uh, guidelines. It par helps prioritize permitting for projects that um, are emergency safety projects, for example, or mandatory uh, program projects such as the seismic safety or private school projects. Um, it was last updated back in 2015, um, and so it's uh, due time to revisit this. Um, so some of the proposed updates of the administrative bulletin are uh, to remove the requirement for projects to meet exceptionally high standard for efficiency, uh, such as the green building or LEED. Um, the reason for that is because uh, a lot of the um, code requirements have um, caught up to a lot of these um, uh, exceptionally high standard for efficiency. And um, so we don't see a need for uh, pointing that out uh, anymore. Uh, updates also include uh, to, uh, up, up, to include projects uh, that are seeking approval under the Home SF uh, ordinance. Uh, we'd like to uh, come in line with the planning department's priority processing, and that is um, one of the major changes um, that would occur if this were to be uh, accepted is that uh, the, the planning department's uh, home SF ordinance uh, includes uh, priority per permitting or processing for uh, homes with 30, uh, buildings with 30% affordable housing, whereas previously, uh, this administrative bulletin would require 100% affordable housing. Um, and additional updates include um, adding uh, accessory dwelling units and junior accessory dwelling units to align with the state initiatives. So those would be prioritized as well. And we'd also like to add uh, telecommunication facilities um, such as cell towers and antennas, and uh, that's also to be in line with uh, state initiatives. Uh, we'd also like to add renewable energy projects, such as EV charging stations, uh, solar, thermal, wind power generation, those types of projects. Um, that pretty much summarizes the uh, proposed changes to the administrative bulletin. Do you, any questions? Thank you. Is there, um, is there public comment? And then we'll go to the commissioner questions. Is there any public comment on this item? Um, any remote? Okay, seeing that, commissioners, do you have any questions? Uh, commissioner Newman, I believe, has a question. Um, so it's a change in prioritization from 100% affordable to 30% affordable. Um, that's not far off from what's just required in multifamily development. How did you arrive at that number? That number is to match that of the planning department's ordinance. Um, it just made sense to, okay. you know, okay. not require more than what the planning department is requiring. You're saying it was 100% affordable before, and yes. now it's been reduced to 30%? Yes. So how was 100% affordable before you know, process then, if you're, I mean, I guess, if you're reducing it, what what was done before when the bulletin included 100% affordable, that that was a requirement, correct? Um, in order to meet the prioritization, yes, correct. 
So if somebody were to propose a 100% affordable housing project, uh, they would uh, qualify, the project would be qualified to be prioritized. And now to, to, to match that of planning's ordinance, um, it, it'd be 30% instead of 100. And do you wanna, do you wanna add anything to that? No, I just really wanted to understand what the thinking was behind that, but alignment with planning does make sense as far as trying to sync those processes, and I understand that there, are, there is a lot that um, is out of step between the two. Um, and so, yeah, that makes, it makes sense, although, you know, I would like to see priority for 100% affordable um, rather than just this sort of inclusionary number. Mm -hmm. If I may add a comment, sorry. Oh, oh, go ahead, this uh, Deputy Director uh, Neville Pereira had a comment. Hi, good morning, um, President Beto, um, members of the commission. I, I just want to underscore that the, uh, the mayoral um, uh, legislative priority for 100% projects is still in this uh, administrative bulletin. As Janie said, um, the addition of the Home SF project was just to bring into alignment it, um, with the planning department. It doesn't make sense that one department prioritizes a project and other departments don't. So this was just to streamline that process, make sure that the continuation um, carried through the whole development review um, cycle of, of process that we carried that priority all the way through. Thank Commissioner, you. Commissioner Summer, you had a question? Yes, um, this, the proposed changes were to add things to the list of projects that can be prioritized, but that didn't include, did it also, in, did it show what was already on the list that is not changing? Uh, the, that's not included in the slides. Right, um, are there types of projects, just, that, just so that I understand comprehensively, are there types of projects that, yeah, are, are eligible that we didn't talk about today? Um, yeah, so there are projects um, that, well, they're all related to the, uh, for example, the uh, effic high efficiency uh, standards for buildings. Um, uh, what else is there? Let's see. It lists specifically um, the pro man mandatory program um, projects. Mm. Um, there are... I have to uh, bring up the document. You don't have it? Okay. Administrative bulletin. Oh, the AB004. But that was in the slide. I could do the same thing. Oh, okay. I was just asking if what, what other things are included in here. Because I guess my follow-up question is, and this mm -hmm. is something that uh, Mr. Harris mentioned at the Code Advisory Committee, and I, I don't fully remember the answer i'm curious how how many what is the percentage of permits because that you don't if you are one of these projects my understanding is you do not automatically get enrolled in the prioritization process you have to apply right you have to do something extra to be prioritized how many of the total number of permit applicants how many get in the prioritization list 
I don't have that number okay. on top of my head, but we can certainly look that up for you. I was just curious, the effectiveness in terms of, I mean, I don't, I don't think I take issue with this. I was just curious. If 75% if of projects are allowed to be prioritized, then it's like, is that really a prioritization? I was just curious. Exactly. Yes, right, right. So, My um, life, basically. I mean, really, as Neville just said, this is based on alignment with the ordinance relating to home SF projects that is in currently in place. And uh, I, I think it makes sense to be in alignment with the, the legislative ordinance that planning already has in place. Um, what, what are we prioritizing? We're definitely prioritizing anything that's uh, an emergency. Uh, we look at critical infrastructure projects which is why we're speaking about, you know, the, the antennas and, 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 and so forth. And um, uh, in, in addition to that, I think uh, it makes sense to think about having um, less of these lead-type projects because the, the code has kind of caught up to that, like, like uh, Janie said. So, uh, I mean, really, that's, that's it from my perspective. Commissioner I mean, I think that <clears throat> the information and questions and responses are all very logical in terms of, and I'm sp speaking specifically to the affordable housing. M my only reservation is I wish that we had Commissioner Toot available to speak to this because I think between uh, Commissioner Toot and Commissioner Newman, they would have had, you know, their input on this, so that's my only reservation about this agenda item. Thank you. Also, the um, our apologies for not having it in the packet here, but the, um, there was the, the Code Advisory Committee recommended approval of this administrative bulletin, and they did um, include a letter stating that. So some, yeah. some so we of needed the, a motion to appro approve this. Is it? Do we actually approve this, or are we? Do we recommend it? Uh, and who is in charge of approving? Um, they're typically just the way that administrative bulletins are done, similar to legislation. It's just that this doesn't go to the board of supervisors, but the process is is kind of similar. But this is just within the department. Administrative bulletins are just generated by DBI. I think. Uh, I think Ms. Shannon was going to say something. Could you finish? I have the administrative bulletin in front of me. Some of the other projects that would be um, prioritized were our uh, permit applications for work consisting solely of disabled access improvements, um, solar voltaic projects, um, uh, some... historic building projects. Yeah, there's a list of them. If you're interested, it's on our website as well. Thank you. I'd like to make a motion to approve the bulletin. So there's a motion, is there a second? Second. And is there any public comment on the motion? Um, is there any remotely? Okay, seeing none, I'll do a roll call vote on the item. Um, President Beto? Aye. Um, Vice President Tam? Yes. Um, Commissioner Newman? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, the motion carries unanimously.
Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the presentation. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, our um, next item then is item 10, update regarding the status of the Department of Building Inspections five-year strategic plan. Hello, commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity to speak today. My name is Patrick Hannon. I'm the communications director for the Department of Building Inspection. I'm here to present on the five-year strategic plan and give you an update on where we are. Uh, we go to the next slide, please. So the goal of the five-year strategic plan is to prioritize and coordinate DBI's work streams to establish and achieve our goals, reflect our organizational values, and provide high-quality customer service to our customers and the public. The strategy to get there is to engage an experienced facilitator to work with the executive team to update our five-year strategic plan, again, to reflect the new vision and values of management. We also want to develop and help DBI employ, deploy operational infrastructure to ensure successful implementation. Next slide, please. The outcomes of this request for proposal will be a five-year strategic plan featuring the goals, strategies, tactical initiatives, and resource requirements in one comprehensive document and then also operational tools to prioritize, coordinate, implement, measure, and review the strategic plan and the progress we're making towards our goals. Next slide, please. The request for proposal has two components. The first one is a strategic plan. Uh, that'll include an executive summary of the plan so that everyone has kind of a clear North Star in a narrative format to know what we're trying to do. The second part will be a comprehensive detailed plan articulating the vision, mission, five-year goals, strategies, measurable objectives, tactics, and timelines for implementation. Next slide, please. But the big thing about strategic plans is a lot of them, they get a lot of effort gets put into creating them, and then they get put on a very important shelf, and they never get touched again. Um, sometimes people revisit them every couple of years, but oftentimes some of the strategies and tactics that are used aren't actually able to be deployed because they're complicated. And so what we really want to do is we want to make sure that we have uh, the infrastructure in place provided by that facilitator in order to make sure that we can operationalize this plan and that it is actually able to be used to guide our work on a daily, monthly, and yearly basis. So to that end, we want to develop some tools and processes, including an executive summary of how this implementation plan will work, a project prioritization and coordination process, a strategy and tactics tracking tool, uh, a way to identify barriers and resolve them, staff feedback, because at the end of the day, the information in the strategic plan has to go through staff, and we obviously want to get feedback to make sure that people actually doing the work on the ground are providing insight and advice in order to help us improve. The final thing is accountability tools and processes. We want to know who's assigned and leading on the projects and make sure that we have a way of measuring their progress and holding them accountable to make sure that they are delivering on what they've been assigned. Uh, the request for proposal right now has been drafted, and it is uh, being reviewed by the various different city agencies that need to review it, including civil service and city contracting. In January, we'll publish that RFP. We'll host a pre-meeting and answer questions from potential respondents. In April, we'll evaluate the RFPs, and we'll do an interview process. Um, be, uh, the participants leading the interview process will be Assistant Director Christine Gasparic, our Permit Services Administration Manager, Carrie Pay, and our Compliance Manager, Chris Vergara. In May, we'll award a contract, and in June, we'll begin the process. We expect it to last about six months and to wrap up in January of 2024. I'm happy.
happy to answer any questions, and I can assure you we will come back and keep you informed uh, and involved as we move forward through this process. Does anybody have any questions on the commission? Have you identified uh, your consultant, or what process are you using to select that consultant? Yeah, we're using a full city uh, request for proposal process. Um, so it'll take, that's why it takes a little bit more time, is that we really, and we want to recognize that oftentimes people get hired for the first part of what we're doing. Create a plan, right? Uh, and we actually believe we have a lot of components for the plan already in place. Patrick's clear about what his values are. He's clear about how he wants to engage with the executive team in order to move the department forward. And we feel that, that we really need some help coordinating and aligning and prioritizing that part of it. But really, it's the implementation to make sure that we have the tools and means to, to actually effectively lead the organization forward, utilizing the strategic plan to make sure that we are prioritizing and operating and executing as intended. Any other questions, Commissioner? I have a couple of questions. Um, the operational tools that you've outlined here, are those tools and processes that the consultant is going to help create and implement? That's the idea, correct. And then the last question that I have is that on the timeline that you provide where you would publish that in a year, could we get updates based on this timeline? Like for instance, um, even in December, just a brief update on the who might have been selected for this? Or you're publishing the RFP, sorry. Yeah. So, Bob scoring. Be happy to come back in January when yeah. we publish, if that would be helpful. Yes. And then to come back once we have a more narrow group. Um, I don't know how much we can tell once we are in the candidate process. And as you can see, uh, because I helped develop the RFP, I can't participate in that process. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some fairly tight controls around it. But happy to give you an update in January and then keep you guys informed. It's, this is as much your plan as it is ours. I think that would be great. I mean, I think in January when you publish it, because that's public record. And then in April, when you select a candidate, I think that can be a time when you can provide an update as well, because I don't think you can provide us updates when you're in that process. Yeah, I think that's right, but that sounds good. Okay, and then May when you award it, June when you have the process started, and then we'll consider after June like other, other updates that might be appropriate. Sounds good. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Good morning. My name is Jerry Drantler. Mr. Hannon's five-year plan focuses on a department-focused five-year plan. Should the BIC provide input on items they would like addressed in the five-year plan? Should the public put items on the list they would like to see in the five-year plan? I know I have a few suggestions I'd like to make to the five-year plan. For example, a comprehensive business process analysis of DBI. The last one was conducted in 2007 and only resulted in 189 recommendations, most of which were never implemented. Thank you. Is there any additional public comment? Seeing none. Um, we will go on to item 11. Um, oh. Madam Secretary, could I make a suggestion that sure. we are approaching uh, almost quarter past 11, mm -hmm. and we still have to get through any other public comment plus review the meeting minutes. I just don't want to mm -hmm. be too rushed. 
Okay. Cool. Um, and so I, I would like to make a motion to move the fee study and the update to the client services to December, if that's if that's if that's okay with my fellow commissioners. I'd second that motion. Okay. So there is a motion by um, President Beto and seconded by Vice President Tam to continue items 11 and 12 uh, to the December meeting. So that we could get to 13 briefly and then 14, I don't believe that will take a lot of time to approve the minutes. Okay. And so there's a motion and a second. Um, is there any public comment on the motion? And are all commissioners in favor? Aye. Yes. Uh, Aye. Any opposed? And then that motion carries unanimously. Okay, so then we will, are we to 13 right now? Yes. Yeah, okay, so item 13 is commissioners, questions, and matters. 13A, inquiries to staff. At this time, commissioners may make inquiries to staff regarding various documents, policies, practices, and procedures which are of interest to the commission. Did you do A and B at the same time? I'm sure. Uh, item B, um, sorry. B is future meetings and agendas. At this time, the commission may discuss and take action to set the date of a special meeting and or determine those items that could be placed on the agenda of the next meeting and other future meetings of the Building Inspection Commission. The next um, scheduled meeting was on December 21st. Um, I generally posted a lot of my questions, which uh, which was focused on the budget and made my requ request for that, but I, I would like that to be included in the next agenda and maybe the format of the you know, president's report on the budget could be formatted differently or potentially have a separate agenda item um, if we need to outside of that budget, that budget update or finances um, to uh, lay out how DBI's budgets are created, how they're balancing it and what that looks like on a two-year horizon. I don't have any other questions or suggestions for agenda. Any other commissioners have any suggestions for uh, agenda items? Um, if, if not today, you can reach out to me prior to the next meeting. And then there may be a discussion regarding um, potentially changing the meeting date, but we'll, we'll reach out to everyone on that. Okay, so that's item 13A and B. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, I'm seeing none. And item 14 is review and approval of the minutes of the regular meeting of October 19, 2022. Motion to approve the minutes. Second. So there's the motion and a second to approve the minutes. Is there any public comment? Um, seeing none, are all commissioners in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? None opposed. Thank you. The minutes are approved. And then we have item 15, um, adjournment. Is there a motion to adjourn? Madam Chair. Oh, sure. Um, just real quick, I know the holidays are upon us, and um, I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'm thankful for being able to serve with all my commissioners here and thankful for the staff and director at DBI and Sonia, Monique, and everybody else. And so just want to wish everybody a happy holidays before we adjourn. Okay.
Thank you, Commissioner Tam. I can always rely on you to remind us <laughs> that we're still human beings and we need to to remind ourselves that uh, to con to greet everybody happy holidays as well. So thank you for keeping us on point with that. So motion to adjourn. Okay. Second. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Okay. Thank you. All commissioners in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, we are now adjourned. It is 1116 a.m. Thank you. <laughs>